0: We appreciate everybody being here for another Country Drive, and I am very honored today to have our guest, Stevenson Everett. Stevenson, welcome, my friend. Oh, my pleasure, brother. I'll go ahead and give uh, everybody at home a disclaimer. Stevenson and I go way back, so I hope this is going to be a fun conversation for us.
1: I think we uh, can easily fill up an hour.
0: (laughs) For sure. Um. One of the things, and the reason I'm so happy to have you here, is one of the things we hope this platform can be is for an independent singer-songwriter such as yourself who's been in the game for a long time and still in there just killing it with amazing music, and we're going to talk about some of that music shortly. Um, Wanted to let everybody know that I think this is going to be releasing on November 10th. So you have new music releasing. Oh,
1: tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So first of all, I, I love podcasts. I probably listen to podcasts more than anything else these days when I'm driving around in my car. And this is my first podcast as a guest. So. Well, I'm on. I'm super excited. Dude, awesome. I'm proud of you too. Look at this. It's like a real setup. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this. It's, it's like, awesome. We got caps, uniforms, and everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And for those who are going to see the videos, we showed up dressed pretty much similar. I know. I know. know. We are kind of brothers from other Uh, mothers. We absolutely are. Uh, Yeah. So tomorrow, which will be November 10th, I've got a new song coming out. I say it's a new song. It's kind of an old song. Um, Back in 2012, and I get my, my years mixed up a little bit. I released a children's book and children's CD and it was called Love Song Lullaby. And I thought I'd sell a million copies and buy an island. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And instead I have 1,500 copies in my garage right now. True story. You can have some. Uh, But there was a song on there called Little for a Little While, which I always loved. And for some reason, especially recently, my daughters are getting older and the holidays are coming around. I feel like I'm actually living that song right now. And there was something about that old version. It was a little too fast. Um, I sounded young. You know, so I redid it. We added strings. We slowed it down a little bit. I lowered the key just a little bit. I, I sound uh, like a grown man now mm-hmm. singing about daughters. So that's something I'm releasing tomorrow. We've got a video that we put together with footage from my kids. Uh, that'll come out Monday, the 11th or 12th. 12th? 11. Anyway, it's coming out soon. Soon. <laughs> yeah, the, the Monday after the song comes out. And uh, that's probably going to be the last song for this year before I get into next year. And I've got a whole another slew of songs I'm getting ready to release. Awesome.
0: Ben, if you will, the second uh, tab right there, let's put it up because we'll if we clip this part, we want everybody to see the website. And that's... What's the website? That's a good
1: question. I think it's stevensoneverett.com. Yes. Okay. So
0: hopefully that's on screen right now. And you can go there to check out all of Steven's work. Your
1: entire catalog is on there, correct? The entire catalog is on there. And also... Um, Starting tomorrow, you can actually go to stevensonevert.com and you can download for free an mp3 of the new song Little for Little While. Because I want people to take that song and use it for their own uh, videos that they do, their own slideshows. It's just one of those great songs you can use for stuff like that. Um, especially like as graduations come around and people are reflecting on their kids and how time flies, you know, so quick. Uh, I just want people to be able to have it. Speaking of your kids, the other day
0: I was walking through Publix and so here comes oh your boy. here comes oh your boy. wife yep. and daughters and I'm looking at the oldest one and I go, "Wait a second. Sophia Rose. Sophia
1: Rose. Man. I've known
0: about you since you were a little baby because of your song, <laughs> "The Legend." Yeah, that is for everyone yeah. listening. Go check out the Miles to Go album. Sophia Rose is an all-time classic. Oh, thank you. I man. think any daddy, da- any dad out there of a daughter will hear that song and probably start crying. And I know you have another one about your
1: other daughter. I have. I have a song off of Ballads and Blues called Scarlet. So, I wrote Sophia Rose, and it took me like six months to write. This is back 2011. She was born then and it took a long time to write, and then it took uh, even a a longer time for me to get to a point where I could sing it in public Mm -hmm. because it's very emotional. Um, But I got there, and then, um, you know, you and I were friends then, and uh, Mr. Taylor Swade helped make this album happen, and it just so happens Sophia Rose was the last track Mm -hmm. off of Miles to Go, and it became just a really popular song. People loved hearing that song. Well, I go and have another daughter. So my other kid has to have a song also. So she got her song. Her name is Scarlett. Her song is off the... uh, follow-up album called Ballads and Blues. Okay.
0: Well, I'm not sure if I've heard it yet, to be honest with you. Oh, really? But I'm going to listen to it. Man, go check it out. I will. I'll make sure I do. Uh, What did you think about last night? Well, I should tell everybody we're one night after the CMAs. CMA's. So we got to talk a little bit about everybody else. Uh,
1: (laughs) What would you think? I thought, man, I love watching. I love, it's just... uh, you know, I love the songwriting community. I love the musician community. I love seeing the faces in the crowd. I love that it's downtown Nashville. It's exciting. I thought it has it it had its highs, it had its lows, mm-hmm. like it always does. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the Oscars do and, and the Grammys especially do. Um you, you know who I, who made me smile the most was I thought Tandy Tucker got out there and just killed it. Killed it. <laughs> I thought man, I mean, she's a fun she's person. She's a legend. Yeah. yeah that that surprised legend. me the most.
0: Yeah. Um did you see so I'm a big fan of Jelly Roll. Yeah. Okay. You know, I love his story okay. as much as his music. And one of the things I learned about him after hearing some of his music and liking him, just from just in a musical sense, when you learn more about his story, you really appreciate that he's like the only guy that can sing his songs mm-hmm. and be believable. And did you see his acceptance speech last oh, night? Yeah, yeah. I mean chills. Hot clip. Yeah. 39 years old, winning new artist of the year. I mean, just an inspirational guy. Yeah. I think if people see that and you've been through any struggle in your life, you have to look at him and say, there is a way out and there are still things I can do in this world. So I really appreciated that moment. 100%.
1: And I think people are looking for uh, authenticity these days. Yeah. Uh, And he's nothing but authentic. Uh, You know uh, what I mean? Um, You know, I I, – I love his story more than I'd say I I love the music. I don't drive around listening to Jelly Roll's music, but if it comes on the playlist, I don't turn the channel either, you know? Um, but I I love everything about him. I love the dynamic and the energy that he brings in the country music. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I mean, I was happy for him. Like, uh, how could you not be happy for that guy? I'll tell you something else. So,
0: you have Post Malone and Jelly Roll both okay, there actually. last night. <laughs> There's a lot of face tats going on. Yeah, have you noticed that people with face tattoos are happier than other people? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> man. I mean, I don't think I could get one. But I, dude, Post Malone killed it. I thought he yeah. was awesome. Yeah, I it thought was, was
1: fun, man. I, 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 I bet it was a blast in the room. Have you seen him cur- uh, cover Sturgill? Yeah, yeah. And um,
0: Brad Paisley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does the. Uh, I mean, he does uh, am I'm really, gonna miss her. Yeah, yeah. He does an He's amazing got job. Voice. I know. This is the thing about country nowadays. There's things that happened in the '90s. With the Common Thread album, The Mm, Eagles Tribute. That was a
1: great project.
0: Rhythm, Country, and Blues album. You have uh, Lionel Richie coming and doing the 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 Tuskegee Tuskegee album. Yeah. Where country is starting to attract audiences from all genres. And when you see somebody like Post or you see someone like Jelly Roll who kind of decides he wants to start doing some country stuff, I think it's a net positive for the genre.
1: 100%. But, you know, th- that all comes back to the songs. Yeah. The reason they could do that Common Threads is because those Eagles songs are so good and they can transcend genres, you know. Um, same thing with the Lionel Richie songs. I mean, when I'm playing those downtown Honky Tonk shows, you, I mean— Tons of guys are covering yeah. Lionel Richie songs, yeah. which seems crazy, but no, they're a lot of fun. Uh, easy like Sunday morning, you know, stuck on you. It's always a fun one. Um, yeah, it's just all. I mean, Nashville. At the end of the day, it's all. It's a song town. It's yeah. all about the song. Well,
0: and then another person is Lainey Wilson. She sure. freaking killed it. At <sighs> the end has, of the year, that's crazy. <laughs> but she got three or five awards yesterday. Wait in the truck, badass song. Yeah, and they won. <clears throat> They won two. I think they won two awards for that before the award show. The video and something else. But there's a lot of people that have come out criticizing her for winning an entertainment of the year because they don't know if she necessarily was better than uh, Wallen or Combs. So, but but what I love about it is it gets a I, I love fan bases. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We had it a few years ago with Eric Church and Garth Brooks and. It just it just, it just revs up the engines of everybody wanting to, you know, kind of fall into who they're behind. For sure. And it just shows me that country music is still very relevant and people are passionate about it.
1: I think if the fans had voted, Morgan Wallen would have won. Probably. By a landslide. Mm-hmm. I really think that way. Um, I was surprised Lainey Wilson won, but I thought it was super cool. Yeah. I mean, I love her as an artist. I think she's fantastic. She's got a great personality. She's just got everything. Like, it just, it's just working for her right now. So that, that's a big deal. She did a um, acceptance speech, not last night. She had a good one
0: last night with the hold my beers comment. Yeah. But um, a while back, she said, if you're going to be a dreamer, you better be a doer. Oh, yeah. And I mean, oh, when yeah. I heard her say that, I was just like, there's so many people here that have dreams. And there's just not a lot of people here that are willing to go wherever they have to go to do whatever they have to do. I think about you as an independent songwriter, your passion for music. It, it does not matter if you're multi-platinum. You are going to create. You're
1: going to put things out in the universe. Oh, 100%. I mean, where does that come from inside of you? I don't know. I wasn't always a songwriter. I, I mean, I started out singing in church, uh, Both and both of my parents are great singers, and they actually met at the music department at Louisiana College. And so I grew around singing, and then I grew around church music, and I I was just connected to singing. and um. But it wasn't until I was eighteen years old my younger brother had a girlfriend and he wrote a poem and he was like, "Hey, can we put, put this into a song?" And I, I sat at the piano, I was like, "Oh yeah, sure, we can do a melody. it's easy." and wrote a song. And then I came here to go to Belmont, and you know I didn't really I, I moved here. I didn't know anybody. Uh, and it was a, I moved here from a small town in South Georgia, and for lack of a better word, I was a little bit lonely and kind of shy at from the get-go, so I would stay. Uh, and my my now wife and I, we were dating long distance. So I was heartbroken and all this other stuff too. So I had a lot of material to work with. Yeah. And so I would hide out in my dorm room and just get lost in and playing. It was so comforting. And so, and even to this day, my default, I'm so much more comfortable with a guitar in my hand. Like right now I'm like, oh God, what do I do with myself? If I had a guitar, it's like, oh, yeah.
0: this, this is
1: who I am. This yeah. is, this is is This is my comfort zone. And I just, I think at the end of the day... Our legacy—it's it, about what we create, you know. And you can paint a broad stroke with that, whether it's you know family life, business life. For me, it's songs. You know, when I'm gone, what have I created? What have I left behind that contributes to adding beauty and comfort to the world? Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a that's a nice thought to have. That even after I'm gone, a part of me lives on. Yeah.
0: I love the quote, what we do in life echoes in eternity from Mm. Gladiator. Mm. And it's, there's, that rings no more true than, than for people who are in music, songwriters, artists, the idea that, I mean, imagine a thousand years from now, if they're able to hear our music from back then, it'll be what tells them how
1: our society was. For sure. Yeah. I hope. Yeah, I hope so too. A thousand (laughs) years, we'll see, man. Are we going to talk about your shirt?
0: Uh, yeah, so gonna- this this shirt is what I felt the first time I ever heard you sing at Belmont. <laughs> and speaking of your old songwriting, you were singing "You Bring Me Back." Oh yeah. This shirt. Do you know what it really means, or are you just
1: are you inquiring, or do you know what it means? We well, you, you hinted at it earlier, but I see. I don't know. Can, can we cuss on this podcast? We can cuss. Okay, because there's a switch I have to turn on and off if I. <laughs> okay. Buddy, on my podcast, we have no editing and (laughs) we have no filters. I didn't know, man.
0: But this means uh, that motherfucker is not real. And the shirt was made for me because I fell in love with the story. Mm. I am naturally skeptical about a lot of things. And while I have never personally seen a ghost or an alien, I don't want to discount other people's experiences. But when I see something like this, Ben, let's see if we can find the video um, she came out last week in a podcast and she's actually a, a normal person. She is a successful business person and I hate that she's getting teased on the internet because she actually seems like a very nice person.
1: No oh, way. Here we go. Okay. Cause I've seen the headlines about this, but I don't know. Now you
0: can put the sound on.
1: They haven't taken off yet, right?
0: No. Yeah, okay. Apparently, this, ca- this is pre takeoff. So, this is in Dallas, I think, and they were heading to um, Orlando. Apparently, Carrot Top was on the plane, the comedian. No way. Yeah, he talked oh about being God. on there. But what's so funny about it is, I'm already an anxious person on a plane. So, if someone stands up and yells that, I'm gone. I am not like sitting around asking, I might be like, Hey, will you take me back and show me? But what she came out and said was that it was a person sitting next to her and they had some kind of altercation and it was, he had terrible energy. And even that would make me want to get off the plane. I do not want to die next to a negative energy person who like, I'm terrified of like, have you ever gotten on a plane and looked around and been like, is this a group I'm going to have to go down with?
1: Man, when when I go on a plane, like sometimes I've usually got a hoodie and a ball cap, and I'm I'm just one of those guys. Like I I put headphones in. I don't want to chit chat. I want to sit by the window. I'm I'm a window guy. Try to get a cocktail, and then yeah, that that's that's me though. Have you ever got drunk on a plane? Oh yeah,
0: (laughs) I got drunk on the way to Vegas one time, (laughs) and I remember like at one moment like sobering up,
1: going, God, what if this plane goes down? If you're gonna go down, you might as well go down a little boozed. <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah, I love. I, I that's why I love airports because airports you can get there in the morning. You go, you sit at a bar and the, and just have a cocktail, and it's completely normal at like eight o'clock in the morning. And yeah, you get on a plane, a crowded plane, and you have another one. It's 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 a wild experience. So no wonder more stuff like that doesn't actually happen. Well, I
0: think alcohol was involved. Maybe some Ambien, maybe some Xanax, and I think she just had a bad moment. But after what she said last week, I feel bad for her, man, because she's come out and she's – first off, she doesn't need, like, internet fame. She's not going to, like, monetize this into a big career, it seems like. She's already a successful yeah. business person, apparently, and she's just, like, I'm mortified for the way I spoke in front of, like, kids and other, pe- other people. Uh. I get that. But we're all I afforded bad I moments. But now in the internet age, it's strange that the whole world knows oh, man.
1: you. Everybody's
0: got a camera in their pocket. And you'd like to think if you're in that moment, you would look around and see that people are filming you, be like, just stop talking. <laughs> but she didn't. She was caught
1: up in something. I, I respect the commitment.
0: <laughs> but yeah, anyway, that's what the shirt means. And I am a fan. But now that we know that she is real and she said she didn't see anything. This might be a dated shirt pretty soon, but I had to wear it for. I appreciate it. Yeah, but for you, but it really was one of the things I love about the first time you hear an artist, especially before the world's kind of heard him. I guess people at Belmont knew who you were. You just you know you're hearing something special. Um, I got to meet Taylor Hicks when I was in middle school, oh, and he wow. was still in high school. And I can remember the first time I heard him sing, and I was like. Holy cow, this guy's Did he have gray hair back then? Uh, no, but he went gray very early. Yeah, very early. You know, I've always kind of knocked talent shows, not not each and every person that is involved in them, but Taylor was always interesting to me because I had seen him or, or heard him sing at my house. My, he was friends with my sister, and she brought him over one night. and was like, you've got to hear this kid sing. Of course, I say kid. He was four years older than me. So nice to me. Hung out with me. Played like we, I would, I was jamming on guitar and he was singing Elton John. And after that, I followed his career and I know that he for sure paid his dues coming up. Mm. And then he was able to use Idol as, you know, a platform for him to kind of expand his audience and finally get discovered, if you will. So it's, he's one of the reasons I can't totally knock people going on talent shows. It's kind of, it was kind of interesting to see him rise. And uh, you did Nashville Star. Was it called Nashville Star? Yeah, well, it was called
1: uh, I did a brief tour of American Idol myself, and then that landed me on this CMT show called CMT's Next Superstar. This was 2011, man,
0: which long was time pro- ago, which was produced by the same guy that did, yeah,
1: Idol. Nigel Lithgow and his son Simon Lithgow. Um, kind of did a lot of the day to day stuff with that, and it was filmed. Um, well, we've we stayed in, uh, it was Kenny Chesney's old house, this beautiful old oh, house. Really? And then, you know, we did a few things. We went to Memphis for one episode, yeah. went to uh, uh, Fort Campbell for one episode. We did a little bit of traveling around, but uh, yeah. What was that like? Did Man. you enjoy the process of the talent show or was it, was a little bit too uh, scripted for you? So I've had other, other opportunities to be, to do reality TV and I've turned them all down. Um I, I don't have any regrets about the show. It it was amazing, but I just don't like music framed as a competition. It, I, you know, I was kind of on the show. I just wanted my songs to get heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually one episode where they we we filmed at the Ryman where they they gave us a song um, that they wanted to sing, and I was like, I'm not singing that song. I'd, I'd rather sing my own song because that's why I was on the show to sing my own songs, and they made it into some big thing, which gave them material. But. Um, and then you know he who edits has all the power they can you're there so that they can create a storyline for themselves and i get it that's the entertainment part of it but if you know the voice asked a couple times if i wanted to do the voice and i don't want to do the voice i i, I want to be a judge on the voice making 400,000 episode that's what, you know i'd rather do that so i'm i'm good man but I, I, it was a great experience i think for me cuz now i know okay i did that i saw what that was like um, but yeah i'm good what
0: was the appearance on Nashville Star? What led to your meeting
1: Jay Joyce? No, man. How do I get there? I, I think it maybe had a little bit with just name recognition around town. But even after I got done with CMT's Next Superstar, I mean, I was back playing in the honky tonks downtown Nashville mm-hmm. and making a little more money at the you know doing my solo shows. But it was kind of back to the grind, um, and. You know i' I met uh, Melissa Spillman at the time, and she was working for Jay Joyce. Now Jay Joyce was this enigma. you know he, he was really with Eric Church at that time that was his big artist and Eric Church was, I mean top of the mountain, you know mm-hmm. and um so she' saw and Jay Joyce has this old church in East Nashville that he converted into the studio. And anyway, and Jay's known, you know, he wasn't on the award show last night. They won album of the year. Yeah. Every time Eric's won, he, he just doesn't go out. Last night, Laney thing. actually called him the mad scientist. That's what I call him. The mad scientist. Funny, yeah. Because um, he is, he has like a laboratory. In Anyway, somehow Melissa Spielman brought him downtown. and I'm playing at Tequila Cowboy. And it's, there's not a lot of people there. I mean, it's just one of these gigs. But he's there and he listens and we go to merchants afterwards and talk shop a little bit and talk about music. And then I think the next part of that process was I went to write with him at his studio with him and Jeremy Spillman. And we wrote a song called Shiny Things, which you can find on Spotify. I've heard it. Yeah, which was kind of funny, very different than what I was doing. I was, you know, I'm a James Taylor. You give me an acoustic guitar, that's all I need most Mm -hmm. of the time. But this was Jay Joyce uh, working all his magic and it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, and then after that, we signed a deal. And uh, you were
0: the flagship artist on his new label,
1: right? Yeah. 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 yeah Neon Cross. Um, and then he, let's see, they signed Lanco, which ended up having a couple of big radio hits. Devin Dawson had a couple of big radio hits. I, I was kind of, I might have been the flagship, but I was probably the least successful artist on, on that label. But it was amazing. I mean, what, you know, we made this project called uh, Born With It. It's an EP. And you mm-hmm. can, again, it's on Spotify and Apple Music. And, we released Born With It as a lead single, and it got a little traction. Bobby Bone started playing it on his morning show, and I don't know what happened. It just didn't connect, and I've... Had some time to look back and wonder what's going on, you know, what happened there because it was a big moment in my life. I'd been around town for fifteen years at that point, maybe a little bit longer, and so I thought this was finally my big break. I had previously been going as Stephen Clawson, and we kind of rebranded to Stevenson Everett at that point. I mean, we, we were all in on this thing, mm-hmm. and um, I think it just didn't it just didn't connect. You know, we from my standpoint, we were just focused on making something. For lack of a better word, cool. Mm-hmm. We were chasing cool, mm-hmm. and that's not, it's not who like I, that's them. not Sophia Rose, right? That's yeah. not these songs that everybody loves, "Bury Me in Louisiana" and "Empty Seats" and all these tracks that people really connect to. And it sounded cool, and it looked cool, um, but that was it. Yeah, you know, it was just kind of plastic. When you listen to those Eric Church songs, I mean, he's got some really songs where he's vulnerable, where he's honest. Um, and I think we were missing those elements mm-hmm. on this project. and looking back we may we may have just you know I, I wrote all the songs that were involved, but we may I may have pushed for some other songs to be recorded. I had the weirdest moment with Jay Joyce where I thought,
0: oh my gosh, I have the best ears. I was driving down the road, and I to this honestly, it's been so long ago, I can't remember what song it was, but I was hearing the crack of the snare. Oh, dude, yeah. And I go, I bet this is a Jay Joyce song. And I looked it up, and it was. Yeah.
1: There's something about his
0: drums. <laughs> yeah, are... there is. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, I've had okay. this
1: exact conversation with with, uh, with other uh, musicians and artists. Are you serious? Especially about the snare. Yeah, because they're always like, man, how does he get that snare sound? That, uh, that makes yeah. me feel even better. Yeah. I was just like, how did I know that by the dang snare drum? He just has his own flavor. And I mean, he can... And, you know, he, he's, he's, I think he cut his teeth on a lot of the, these rock bands. So mm-hmm. that was his first one. He was world. in one. Probably so. Yeah, yeah. I
0: found an old video of him. And I think he was in like a three or four piece punk really? band. Really? Well, he's or an amazing
1: musician. I could be wrong, but. No, I, I, I wouldn't doubt him. I mean, he's an amazing musician. He's played guitar on, um, you know, a lot of that Miranda Lambert stuff. I mean, all, all over town, just as a session player. But, I mean, he can go super produce, you know, some of that Eric Church stuff. Um, you know, the Outsiders especially has some really heavy rock stuff. Mm-hmm. But he can go real stripped down and intimate too. Like he, he – I think there's an Eric Church song. I forget. It's towards the end of the – he was working on it while we were together. And it's really stripped down. I think it's Eric Church playing, you know, um, and, and a Gibson Electric. And he was just messing around. But they were sound checking. And he told Jason Hall, who was the engineer, he said, just hit record. And he just captured the performance. And so he knows how to – what to look for. He knows how to find the magic. He knows how to create the magic also. And it's just it works. I love the brothers Osmore stuff he did, the little yeah. Big Town stuff he did. It's oh
0: it's all great. He took a Little Big Town to it. I think pontoon yeah. was was his.
1: Oh, he, I think so. Yeah. He took them yeah. to a new level with that. Oh yeah.
0: Uh another thing that I had heard about him one time when we talk about like keeping things authentic and appreciating that things aren't like perfectly crafted in the studio. Uh Eric Church was talking about he was going to do an opening to an album and he's like i think it's just spoken word kind of oh, like Yeah, i think it's this outsiders we're talking the, about the same album the, yeah. the um the um little clip you have on the internet right now where you're just talking oh yeah well eric was saying like you know i just pulled into a parking lot and i just did voice memo and i sent it to him saying like this is what i this is what i'm thinking i want to use so i'll come in there and we'll record it and by the time he gets there jays already taken that and just
1: put it in cuz it's like this is perfect right yeah i heard eric uh, tell that story. He was at the Opry Mills. Yeah, parking lot. That's exactly yeah. right. You're yeah. just reminding me. Yeah. It's crazy, man.
0: But like the idea that like you know artists think, well, I got to go in the studio, and Jay can take that and right. be like, no, man, this is how it's good. You're in your car, just talking. Yeah, you're not even thinking about like making it sound right, and ha- how he can take that imperfection and like give the artist the the confidence to say this is how it should be. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's another thing I appreciate about old jo- um, about old Jay. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about, because Stevens had so many interesting moments in his career thus far, a long time ago, you sang the National Anthem at Talladega on the, the Saturday
1: race. On, on the Bush Series race. And you were yeah.
0: there with Tater
1: Salad, Ron right. White, oh, who's
0: Ron White. one of the funniest comedians yeah. ever. Unbelievable. And what is it like to sing the National Anthem at a place like Talladega where you know it hits a little bit harder than yeah. at other sporting
1: events? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have, I have to go back a little bit. So we we have a mutual. I, I think we're mutual friends with this guy Donut. You know, you know Donut from Pell City? So I know I don't. I've never met Donut, okay. but I know him through Michael. Oh, Donuts a legend, man. I mean, I know that. of him through Michael. Right. Yeah. Uh, our mutual friend Michael. Um, so Donuts just he's kind of like an older brother to me. I love this guy, and um, he knows everybody. He this was the year that Talladega Nights came out, the movie with Will Ferrell and everything. Right. So I Michael Clark Duncan, and uh, anyway, so. It was it was epic. And Donut had been doing the catering for the movie set while they mm-hmm. were there because he lives in Pell City just right down the road. And Donut doesn't know a stranger. I don't know. Somehow Donut convinced these people. I mean, I was nobody back then. I don't even know what year this was. 2008. Do you know what year it was? 7, 8? 7 or 8. Yeah, back, a long time ago. <laughs> he convinced these people to let me sing the National Anthem. I didn't audition he, I don't know. Anyway, we get, we stay on the infield all weekend. And I bring my buddies, um, Matt Mobley and, and my buddy Paul. And we just, it, if you've never been to Talladega, it's, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's mm-hmm. wild, man. It is wild. We spend all weekend there. And then, I mean, I remember the night before Friday night, like we were going hard, man. I don't know what time we went to bed and then I got to get up the next day and sing. And, um, but it just—we got up, I got ready. Uh, we've got an escort. They bring me to the stage, and you know, I was telling you a little bit about this earlier. But what we, they were trying to do was time the uh, the fighter jets were going to come over the stadium, and they left the base, and so they were in communication with the base, okay, because they were trying to get it to happen right when I'm singing the national anthem. Well, I've—they've given me the go. I'm singing the national anthem. The planes are still farther away than they thought, so she's giving me the stretch sign, like you've got a stretch, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, this national anthem there's not another verse, is not a tag, you know what I mean? Like people know, like it is a stock song, man. Right. So I'm adding riffs and notes, and we catch it just at the end. And I remember, I don't know, hundred thousand people were probably there. I mean, and that's just what I'm facing, right? It's, it's just a sea of people, and um. I know they weren't clapping for me. They were clapping for me a little bit, but they were clapping because the Jets were really cool. But just to feel that many people clapping for you in that moment is pretty epic. Yeah. What was that? Was kind of the height of uh, blue collar comedy
0: tour. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. There's a picture somewhere of you and Ron White floating around. Is there? I remember seeing it. See, it's funny because my my side of the story for what happened is so Michael and I, just for full disclosure, we booking some shows for Steven back then. And we had been in kind of adding more and more dates, and we were having the greatest time of our life booking shows for you. Uh Paul had said, Get me get us one in um Michigan. My family's okay. up there. Yeah, we did And that. we delivered on that. Yeah, we did that. And we had y'all touring down at the beach. Yeah. And then Michael comes home one day and he goes, dude. Steven's going to sing national anthem at Talladega. And I was like, wow. And then everything from that day on was, uh, you know, talking about you. And you had performed at Talladega with uh, with Tater <laughs> Salad. It was like the huge way to get the
1: foot in the door for all yeah. for all future gigs. So I, I love those days, man. They were wild, man. I'm just glad we survived. Yeah. You know, so so on Sunday, I think the Grand Marshal was Will Ferrell. So, mm. it you know, it, it was, uh, I didn't get to meet Will Ferrell. But uh, I met Ron White, and he is everything you think he is. Yeah, he was super generous. But he's he's like a, a he's like a movie character. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He plays the part well.
1: Let me ask you something, man, because I I love what you're doing here, and I, I just got done listening to the uh, the Keith Stegall. I guess mm-hmm. which was the the last one you did, right? It was mm-hmm. fantastic, and I loved hearing about um, how it was New Year's Eve, and he goes to uh, he sees Alan Jackson playing at that trucker stop, which I I used to be where the Nissan stadium yep. is right now. And that there were just five people. And I I love all those guys because that kind of late eighties into the mid nineties is my, is what I grew up on in mm-hmm. country music. And I just love the stories. And it was just a different town. Like I, I just would love to have been able to go back and see what the town was like before the cell phones. Um, I feel like the songs were a little bit better back then too. Cause you, you could, there were so many ballads and I, I I'm a ballad guy. Like, give me a sad song any day of the week, and that that's uh, that's I love sad songs. Nothing makes me happier in a sad song. That's why I like my songwriters heartbroken because mm-hmm. <laughs> he writes sad songs. Um, but I I just loved hearing that. So what what I was going to ask you though is you're kind of covering a lot of bases coming up. Do you have a dream guest? Like, who who would you just love to have? And you can name a couple of them. I'm just curious. Travis Tritt. Oh man, okay.
0: I'm a huge Travis Tritt fan. Yeah. I'd love to ask him about a lot of questions that I've never heard anyone ask him before. Um, I'm a class of 89 guy. Mm. I think the class of 86 and the class of 89 are two of the most important groupings of artists in country music history. Uh, I actually reached out to Steve Earle. Steve Earle was part of the class of 86. I reached out to his people the other day, and they said he's not doing interviews right now, but follow back up with us. Okay. And I've gotten that email from a couple of people. Okay. But I think anyone from class of '86, class of '89. Uh, Who else is '86? Is Randy Travis so, considered '86 or '89? So '86 is Randy Travis, Dwight Yoakam, mm. Steve Earle, and you could even put Lyle Lovett in that book bu- in that bunch. Right. And there's some great debates on the internet if you ever want to look it up, people at home, uh, which one was bigger. And then Class of 89, you have Travis Trick, Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson, Clint Black. Mary Chapin Carpenter all also um, debuted that year. It was the breakout year for Vince Gill, even though he had won Mm -hmm. Vocalist of the Year already a few years before. That was his first album with Tony Brown. He breaks out
1: loose and done, were they kind of uh, they
0: were about 92. They were on later? the same okay. label as Alan Jackson. Um, and but it's also a year where you have these little side notes in '89 where Keith Whitley passes away, so we mm-hmm. lose a legend. I guess we all know Taylor Swift was born in 1989, <laughs> so you have the future coming up. Uh so any anybody from that era would be amazing.
1: I think Do you have a favorite songwriter, like a songwriter you'd like to have on? There's a couple coming up soon. Yeah,
0: talking to Jim McBride on my first ever episode was like one of the honors of my life. Talking to Keith about his songwriting yeah, was amazing. Cool. cool to hear. Uh, we have one coming up next week, and I I don't like to disclose who it is. I, I don't believe it's ever going to happen until they're actually in the room. So I'll, I'll keep it I'll keep it a secret for now. But he's going to be amazing because uh, he's a Hall of Fame songwriter. Um. You know, Don Schlitz or Stephanie Davis. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. They wrote a song that kind of changed my life or my perception of life, and Garth sang it. It was um, Learning to Live Again. Oh, dude, I love that song. Okay. First off, I'm like 12 years old when I hear Mm. it, or 13. And that song's about divorce, possibly a widowed husband, but I think it's about divorce. I'm 13 years old. I'm sitting at home. I have this scar on my face, which I was very insecure about. I had just gotten it from a bike wreck. It's probably my first moment ever really understanding what music can do to you. But I had asphalt burns on my hand. You can kind of see them right here from that bike wreck. And and Garth comes on with his voice and goes, I burned my hand. I I cut cut my my face. face. Heaven knows how long it's been since I felt so out of place. That was how I felt. Wow. I had been an outgoing kid. I hope, hopefully I was fun and likable, but all of a sudden I was like so insecure. That song comes on, and then if you want to know how much of an honor it was to have Jim McBride on here, literally the very next song was Chattahoochee. Now, I'm the only person who can turn Chattahoochee into some deep meaning song, but I have all these great friends. Why am I sitting around feeling sorry for myself? Go out, have fun with your buddies, enjoy life. Those two songs right next to each other. Like, changed my life. All of a sudden, I wanted to be a songwriter. I wanted to be more into music because it realized— So I guess that's why if I had to choose to, back to your original question, Stephanie and Don would be pretty Mm -hmm. amazing. But, I mean, there's so many songwriters I want to speak to. I
1: feel bad just saying two. No, those are great, man. Yeah, I remember um, learning to live again. It's off the chase, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it had that third verse where he goes, Oh, my God, I've forgotten her name. Yeah. And I remember hearing that going— Wow, I never heard a song like that before. Yeah, they were talking. She wrote uh, "We Shall Be Free" also. Yeah, I I got so I went downtown um,
0: probably five, four or five months ago, and Garth and Stephanie were celebrating the 30th anniversary of that song. Wow. Yeah, you know it was a controversial song. I know it was crazy. And the video, was controversial. Yeah,
1: you've heard all the Super Bowl stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. He
0: he was about to leave. I know (laughs) he was going to leave the Super Bowl. He's
1: got balls, man. (laughs) Only Garth.
0: Do you know it's the first time ever? That uh, the Super Bowl started late. Because of Garth? Because of Garth. <laughs> man,
1: that's, that's pretty epic.
0: Because <laughs> he was going out there to sing the national anthem, but he had done a handshake deal and they right. were trying to get out of it. That they would kick it off with his video. And yeah. they
1: weren't going to do something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But what we were talking about earlier with those guys in 89, what they did, you know, one of the things I was going to mention to you, I was going to ask you about it, if, if based on your hist- knowledge of history with country music, you know, you had the... Honky Tonk era, you had the Nashville Sound era, you had the Outlaw era, mm-hmm. then we had this fashion statement era of Urban Cowboy, mm-hmm. a little bit of a neo-traditional movement where kind of Reba, Ricky Skaggs, George Strait get um, lumped into kind of like the neo-traditional movement.
1: In like the 80s. The 80s the was a weird time yeah. for country music, yeah.
0: But then 86 and 89, the reason I referenced them earlier is it's the first time you see young talent. And the only thing that you can put them into a box for is the year they all kind of came out together. Mm. Otherwise, they're doing wildly different things. And I think that's the reason by the time you get to 93, 94, you start again seeing Common Thread, Rhythm Country, and Blues. Uh, You get into the 2000s or late 90s and you see CMT Crossroads. Those guys created all the crossover success and the ability to attract millions of new fans to the genre because they weren't one monolith. I think that's the right word yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so somebody's spot checking you at, at home right now <clears throat> yeah then i mean that class 89 changed the town yeah you know and we, we when you really think about uh I, I i'm a big like garth is i'm a big elvis guy uh, uh, for a lot of reasons garth is probably my number two i mean i i just love garth but when you think he sold a hundred million albums in ten years—a little bit less than ten years. I mean, people don't understand how big of an artist he was back then. He it's changed unreal. the town. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. And then he brought, but you know, a rising tide lifts all ships, right? So he 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 elevated the town. He elevated country music. And the nineties was crazy because even especially the early early nineties, because country was killing it. Hip hop was making a whole starting to blast like that with Dre and everything. Nirvana was coming around with the grunge movement. I mean, it was a crazy time for music but country was out selling all of them that's what i talked to keith about last week i think that
0: classic rock and southern rock had turned into glam metal going into alternative mm-hmm. and that was a part of a fan base that came to country music because they had kind of been a lost genre for a few years because if you're into classic rock you're not into glam metal or alternative right most likely um so anyway it was an interesting time and I know people nowadays that are probably like, you know, 12, 13. This is their nostalgia music. Yeah, I don't know if it's for us because that's when we grew up, but it's kind of interesting you think like, I don't know if it's that that's when I was, but I've heard a scientific study that the music you remember the most is between 10 and 20
1: mm, I believe it. years old. Yeah,
0: And so I don't know if it's just that those guys, I have an affinity for them because that was my nostalgia music. But I'll tell you what, i go see Travis Tritt. I've seen his solo acoustic show probably a dozen times. Really? Have you ever seen it? No. It's unreal. Really? The guy is one of the most talented musicians, one of the best singers, fills up an entire, every theater he plays that solo acoustic show, and it's just him and his guitar. There's not a lot of people that can do that. You can do that because you came up doing that. A lot of guys nowadays can't fill up an arena with just them and their guitar. Another guy, your guy, Garth, I saw him in Nashville last year. We can talk about what he used to be. He's still that. Yeah. I went to see him at the Titan Stadium and in Birmingham. I mean, I was like, "You got to stop. I got to go home. I'm sweating <laughs> my ass off." But he's still. He's yeah. like sixty. What maybe sixty five or yeah. six? I don't know. 60. He's that old. Yeah. He's sixty. <clears throat> well, Alan just had his Medicare birthday. Oh, but, did he? But, but Garth and those guys are three or four years younger. So, um. When I saw Garth, I was like, Scott, is he was he played
1: all night." I mean, he is a machine. Man, I saw him. The only time I've seen him in concert was off the In Pieces tour. This was 1995. He played Tallahassee, Florida, and um, this was you know that was the cover. He's all red and black, you know. And so I remember I, I, mean, I wore black jeans and a red shirt. I mean, I was all of Garth. I Man, I was 13 years old at that point. And but, but you know, back then and we, we sound so old, but like there wasn't so many media options you know I mean there was music and there was movies it wasn't like you can watch anything you want on your phone at any point so m- music was so I feel like it had more power almost yeah, absolutely and, and, and when you listen you know you bought a cd yeah um google it kids you bought a cd and you know you would listen to the whole album you yeah. listen to deep cuts and you look at the liner notes and I'm sure people back you know vinyl were doing the same thing um but it was just a different time to listen to music uh, I went to a songwriters In the round the other night Talking about 90s country
0: music uh, So it was Keith Stagall Roger Murrah Rafe Van Hoy And David Lee Murphy what? Where was this at? Uh, over at the uh, Listening Room? It's a hotel in Franklin Harpeth uh, But after I got to talk to David Lee Do you remember Dust on the Bottle? Of, <laughs> of course But he's an amazing songwriter Roger Murray is one didn't of the best.
1: He, he wrote something in the past couple of years that was a hit,
0: right? He's written, I, I honestly was not even aware of every hit he had. Okay. You know, he has Big Green Tractor. Oh, okay. He's I mean, written a couple course. of the songs with Blackberry Smoke. I mean, if you actually go look at his list, he's unreal. Super nice guy. Hmm. Rafe Van Hoy. I, don't I mean, know that is. Uh, so he, Golden Ring. I mean, he's an old school guy. Oh, George Jones' Golden yeah. Ring back in yeah. the day? Oh, He played, and he has a lot of other hits that are just totally escaping me. I wish I could pull him up. Um, he just went in the hall of fame also. So Rafe okay. and David Lee both just got inducted. Um, do you know Keith Stagall's not in the Hall of Fame? Oh, well, that's a matter of time. Really? I mean but well, I'm shocked. I mean, but let's let's get on it. That'll happen. Yeah, <laughs> I that'll mean, happen soon. I the only thing I can think to myself is he needs to be in the country music hall of fame. Like if you think about uh Keith, can you imagine hearing country music without Keith's touch on it. Did you watch last night with Alan and Zach? Of course. Yeah. He's been with those guys. He, he he launched those guys and he did the first three albums with Keith. Um, Randy Travis's first album. I, I can't imagine hearing country music without Keith's touch on it.
1: I mean, he and Alan Jackson's artist producer relationship is probably one of the greatest ever. I mean, just cause not only the quality, but just the volume. And yeah. all those great songs. Um, I mean, this, you know you can think of Kenny Chesney, Buddy Cannon, do the same thing. But a lot of artists, and I've done this myself, you know, you you bounce around producers sometimes. Um, but you look at uh, even uh, Trisha Yearwood, Garth Fundus, and she bounced around a little bit, an album or two here, there with Tony Brown. But most of that stuff, I mean, she was with Garth Fundus, um, Dan Huff, Keith Irvin, but no, he's, he's experimenting now. Yeah, too. Tony Brown and um, George Strait.
0: Oh. I think they started with a pure country album and they've been together ever since. That's a pretty pure special country. relationship. Dude, I love I That's
1: love I, I love the movie. It's such yeah. a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Uh
0: Eight Seconds is a great movie. Uh, you know, I've never seen Eight Seconds. Oh my I god. Know, you gotta like, it. I know,
1: I know, I know. But but see, it's funny, but like I, I know the soundtrack. Uh so I, I grew up with the soundtrack. I don't know why I just never watched the movie. Yeah. Uh, I think I had pure country on VHS. Somewhere, and like I wanted to go as Dusty for Halloween and wear the ponytail <laughs> and the jacket and everything. I still may do that one day, but I love that whole era of well, country music. If you're
0: gonna be Dusty, you're gonna be the guy impersonating
1: Dusty. You're gonna be Dusty. I'll be Dusty. <laughs> dusty. I'll be real Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> Opening scene, Dusty. Um, but you know, I, I I love the look of the buses back then. I love the look of like what everybody's wearing. It's just it was just like a different time. If if
0: you go as Dusty since I have darker hair I'll go as the guy impersonating them you know what, you okay. goes, yeah, yeah let's do it yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that guy's actually become a big actor really I don't yeah. know I,
1: don't, I couldn't tell you who it is uh
0: he was the in zero dark 30 and oh. um Friday night lights he's the coach on Friday night Wait, Lights. that's
1: uh Matthew Fox? that is him yeah
0: go back and look that's actually,
1: crazy actually
0: Ben you can pull it up and see if if I have the
1: right guy. Man, if I didn't put that together, that's crazy.
0: Well, let me ask you why he's pulling that up. Who's on your bucket list? Uh, so for me, you're asking me who I'm talking to, and there's a long list of people. But who's on your bucket list for writing or
1: collaborating with? Man, I love. I'll throw some names out there. People might not know who they are. I love. It's Eric Taylor. I'm sorry. Oh. Oh, see, I'm thinking the the guy in the middle is who I was not Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox is law is from Lost. Who's that guy? But that's not, is that him? He's that coach?
0: Now look up Eric Taylor. uh, I kind of see
1: it now. Now look up Eric
0: Taylor, pure country, and see if I'm right. Oh my God, I I see it. We have to pause for a moment to see if I'm right.
1: I never put that together. That's amazing. I could easily be wrong. That's King. Keep looking, Ben. I'll, uh, well, <laughs> well, I'm happy <laughs> to be wrong. Well, let me ask you again. Who's on your <laughs> so, bucket list? So, man, I, I would probably go, I love Mike Reed. Mike Reed um, has written a, a bunch of those Ronnie Millsap songs, but he uh, probably biggest claim to fame is I Can't Make You Love Me. Oh. Uh, he wrote that with Alan Shamblin, who I'd love to write with Alan Shamblin also. I love Lori McKenna. Um, she's written a bunch of great hits, but she has a bunch of solo projects herself, too. They're uh, uh, are incredible songs. She just worked with Dave Cobb. Did she? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Um, Man, I love Tom Douglas, Gary Burr is amazing. It's a, I'm, I'm leaving some people out, and I know, but um, like, like real, pure singer-songwriters. Do you ever send out messages inquiring if you can get a writing session with them? I don't, man. And... For a couple of reasons, the main one being I'm mainly write by myself these days, mm-hmm. um, and that's just because th- did we figure it out? That's all right. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I'm, but I'm, I'm googling it later. I'll text you. <laughs> <clears throat> I'll post in the comment section. Um, it, it, because, and, and uh, you know, I've had various publishing deals throughout the years. Yeah, and I'm always strong with melodies. I've got a ton of melodies, and uh, you know, lyrics to me is a little more of a, a battle. But I would bring in these great melodies. to These co-writes and even maybe an idea. And back when you have a, a co-writing or a publishing deal and you're co-writing, it's really about you know quantity versus quality. Mm-hmm. You know How much can you turn out? And if you have a co-writing session that day and you don't leave with a song, it feels like you're not doing your job. So sometimes you would force stuff to happen and I would waste all these great melodies and these great ideas. And um, sometimes a song needs six months. Sometimes it takes six months to write a great song. You can't do that with a co-write. Yeah. Now, you could do it if you're a Bernie Tomp and Elton John type thing, where Bernie's just handing you pages of lyrics and you get to then take them by yourself and comb through them and, and, you know, put them to to music and melody. But I like to write late at night um, or just maybe first thing in the morning when my mind's still kind of fluid a little bit, a little lucid, and see what comes up. Um, But sometimes it's just too hard to explain to somebody else what I'm trying to write. And I can be brutal with lyric. And <laughs> if you're in a co-write, you know, you you, you really want to share the experience with somebody, but they might write something that they just love and I just don't have to battle with them on it. Yeah, So <laughs> just do it myself. But if if someone like, you know, a Mike Reed or Lori McKinnon or somebody, the, the opportunity was there 100%, I would jump on that. Oh, I'd
0: love to hear you ride with Laura McKen- Lori yeah. McKenna. She's so good.
1: man. Girl Crush, Humble and Kind. She has a song called... Did she
0: do Girl Crush? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah and, and, the, and
1: Humble uh, and Kind. Oh, yeah. But she wrote Humble and Kind by herself. Yeah. Yeah. She has a song called The Bird and the Rifle. I think it's the title of an album, too. But it's just brilliant. And and I, you can hear that song. I'm assuming she wrote that by herself. But it sounds like something you could only write by yourself. So another thing I want to ask
0: you about is what you did this weekend And I really, I really appreciate what you did and tell people about, just go ahead and tell people what you did this weekend with songwriting with soldiers.
1: So a buddy of mine is named Jay Clemente. uh, We co-wrote a song called blue lights. That was off of uh, the ballads and blues album. He's been working with this organization for a while. And Jay's just a sweet human being and with a great heart. And he reached out and asked if I'd be interested and participating in songwriting with soldiers. This is an organization where they bring in veterans. Most of them, I'll try to be delicate, but uh, there's there's a lot of PTSD involved with these veterans. They've seen things, they've had to do some things that they're just carrying around with them, you know. And um, we spent the weekend with them. There was four writers and there were eight participants and we each wrote with two veterans. And, um, you know, we... Listen to their stories. I, I wrote with a Vietnam veteran, which was just amazing. How you know, often you get to hear those kind of stories? And then I wrote with a Desert Storm uh, Special Ops kind of um, uh, veteran, and we talk and we try to take their stories, their pain, their hopes, whatever it is, and put that in the song. And you know, we do that twice in one day, and then we perform them. For, for everybody that night. And then the next day, um it's somewhere somewhere along the, the it, along the weekend, we you know we also record the songs for them. So they they so everybody walks on with the songs. Oh, that's awesome. And then the next day, <clears throat> we also did this on the first night, but we write a group song. So the four songwriters and the eight participants, we write a song together. And the, the first one was very kind of lighthearted. It's more of like an icebreaking thing. This is the first night uh while everybody's trying to get to know each other. And there's, you know, you gotta imagine there's there's some walls. Yeah. There's some boundaries that, you know, they all want to be there. A lot of these participants, they've been on uh, years on the waiting list. Um, so they all want to be there, but they don't quite know what comes next. And especially, you know, how do you write a song? And we kind of demystify it a little bit and we have fun with it that first night so that the second day we can really get into it. Amen. Um And it was beautiful, man. It was a soul. It's one of those soul changing experiences. I'm hoping it's not my last time doing it. I I told him anytime you want me to come participate, I'd love to do it. It it was beautiful. Well, I'm proud of you for doing it. It's an important part of
0: our society right now. I'm working on a TV project that while looking for people that might be involved in the show, I was directed to go look at these organizations. And I was able to make contact with a lot of them, speak to the guys running it. Some of them are already vets. Some people are just running it and helping out vets. It's really fascinating to learn some of the science of what these songwriting retreats and these songwriting exercises are doing for vets that are dealing with PTSD, they're dealing with the traumas of war, and it's, they're doing now scientific studies where they're showing significant fa- effects on their ability to communicate it through music and how it's Im- improving their life. This is something mm. that you don't need pharmaceuticals for. This is something that takes time and healing. But through writing music, again, uh, not having to use other substances, it's fascinating to see what it's doing. So I have a great deal of respect and admiration for people that are making this one of their platforms of these nonprofits. And there's some good ones out there that are taking on these soldiers and helping them to heal through music. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful fun. thing.
1: Yeah. yeah, I can't sing their praises enough. Songwriting with soldiers, check it out. They have a website; you can find out more information. Um, they were. It was my first experience with them, and just this everybody from the staff to the logistics people. I mean, kind-hearted. They there were a couple of intense moments, and they they know how to handle those moments really well. I mean, just just really wonderful songwriting with soldiers. That'd okay. Well, definitely Shout out. Want
0: everyone check that out. And if you have funds available, it's definitely a worthy cause from what I've learned about what they're doing for these vets.
1: You know, the other thing, Taylor, I will say. I can't see the clock. Oh, is this the guy?
0: Come oh on. yeah. I'll pull up the clock, but I did <clears> just find out uh, Kyle Chandler, it was his second role in pure country ever. So it was the same guy. It is it's the same guy. You yep, were right. Yep. Yeah? Yep. Take that.
1: Dude. You know what? <laughs> Props to that guy. <laughs> Okay. I, I, I was going to say just real quick the other thing that the, the weekend kind of showed me about when you say the power of music, it reminded me of the, the power of music because right. we're around it so much. You take it for granted. You do it so much. You've been doing it for so long that you just forget the magic and the healing that it has for other people. And so that was another great thing, just as one of, being one of the writers that, you know, I benefited from that. Right. that. Just on top of the time I got to spend with these veterans, which was magical also. There's nothing a human being can ever
0: do to help themselves more than helping someone else. Mm, that'll it's, that'll it explained. is, yeah. it's the way, it is the number one way to enrich your life is doing for another person. Well, I'm going to tell everybody, we got about five minutes left. Um, I hope it's not been a rushed episode today because Stevenson gonna, is going to be back a lot in the future. But before we get out of here, um, and we'll leave a little bit of time to talk about your music one more time to make sure everyone has the websites, what is the drive and the passion inside of you that you you know, give advice to others and what it takes to find your passion and create, navigate your own avenue in life? Because that's something I know you well enough to know that you've done.
1: You know, that's and I've been doing this a long time and I'm I'm into my (laughs) forties now. Um, And I, you know, I, I, there have been times where I've just been tired of the process and tired of the heartbreak and tired of running into walls and feeling like I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting other people's time. I'm wasting my family's time, you know, who are all invested in, you know, uh, along for this ride with me. And I think what I try to focus on these days Is I've I already said this word earlier is being just being authentic, whatever that looks like. Just be authentic. It doesn't because and I say that because for me when I first came to town, you know I thought I was country, but I had people tell me I was too pop. I had Mm -hmm. people tell me I was too bluesy. I had people people tell me I was too country. I'm like, what is going on? And I let that influence my art a little bit because I was trying to write what I thought other people wanted me to write. And when I the older I got, the more I just started writing what I wanted to write was when I really started to connect. And if you're going to make a career out of anything you do, not just music, but you have to connect with people. And the way you do that is you have to be willing to be vulnerable. You got to be willing to be honest. Um, you know, they want to share your tears. They want to share your laughter. They want to share your smiles. Uh, all, all of, They want to share your pain. So be authentic, own it um and lead with that and lead with love and lead with kindness and you have to just believe that at the end of the day good things happen to good people it and success and this is maybe i'm speaking for myself my idea of success has definitely changed the older i've got when i first came to town i wanted to be garth brooks mm-hmm. i wanted to be that massively uh, a, a you know ground changing artist um now, you know, I, I think I kind of just want to be relevant in some ways. Yeah. Uh, there's this coach. I have this clip of this coach. Um, I think he's, uh, he's at SEC school, but he talks about how he just wants to be famous in his own house, famous to his daughters, famous to his family. And, like, I heard that, and I latched on that, and I'm like, okay, that's kind of where focus there first, which is your foundation. Because if that crumbles, everything else is going to crumble. So focus on that. Stay authentic, stay kind, dream big. I heard this guy say the other day, what would you dream if you knew you couldn't fail? Like how big would you dream if you knew you wouldn't fail? And it's like question? wow, wow, man. Yeah. I'm pretty damn big. Yeah. You know? Amen. So I think that's where we're at. You know, which is why I think that's why you and I are friends. This this town is full of dreamers. And you kind of said it earlier that being a dreamer is great. That's the easy part. Being a doer is what separates everybody. Amen. You know, so you gotta be a doer. You've always been a doer, man, and a dreamer. So well, I'm glad to be here. Well, I appreciate you, man.
0: Um, everyone listening, supporting independent music is not just a slogan. It's it's a real action that you need to take. And I really hope that you guys will check out StevensonEverett.com, find him on Spotify and Apple, Instagram.
1: Uh, Facebook everywhere. Yeah, I'm on TikTok. I don't, you know. Okay, I don't know. What, I don't know what I'm doing on there. I do I don't there. want the Chinese looking at me. Okay, <laughs> that's the only thing I don't have. They got me already. Uh,
0: is there anything else you want to tell them to where to find you? Or have we pretty much covered it.
1: That's pretty much it. Just look up Stevenson Everett. I'm on YouTube. Um, you know, I I I do it all myself. So I you send me a message. I respond to you. Um, love for you to listen to the music. Share the music Keep watching this podcast like I am. I appreciate you. Keep going, brother. Well, again, Stevenson
0: will be back very soon. And we've tried to wrap it up in an hour, but we got a long way to go. So hopefully you guys will come and check us out next time we're together. And I appreciate you, brother. You mean the world to me. And I'm so honored you came.
1: Pleasure, brother. All right. Look forward to next time.
0: All right. Bye, y'all.